Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Every Thursday, even during holiday weeks, on podcastone.com and iTunes. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for streaming. And thank you for listening, of course, and spreading the word about this podcast every week. Interviews for you, and uh, of course, some commentary and some two cents from me on what's going on in the world of rock. Almost all the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk podcast originated on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation. Heard on the channel Volume, which is number 106, which you can hear live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, replaying every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and on demand on the Sirius XM app. So thank you for listening to the radio show. Hopefully, maybe some people got Sirius XM for the holidays. They're just getting on board. Check me out on 106 each and every day, Monday through Friday in the hours I just told you. And here on the podcast, I offer you a little sampling because obviously just doing the math, I do five shows a week there and uh, here on the podcast. That's once a week. So you get a little taste of what I'm doing over on the radio show here. And I hope if you are not already a subscriber, you'll come on board and join me for the daily radio show where it's live so you can interact and get involved as well. Uh, hope everybody had a great Christmas and a happy birthday to Katie Irizarry, our producer of the Eddie Trunk podcast, who celebrated her birthday on Christmas Day. I didn't. Uh, I should have known that. I'm terrible with birthdays. I think I remembered that Katie was on Christmas, her birthday, and um, I have a good friend whose birthday is on Christmas Eve. So you guys, I know it's a little rough because <laughs> your birthday kind of gets a little overshadowed with the holiday, but hope it was a great birthday nonetheless. So happy birthday to Katie. Christmas is behind us already, and I hope it was enjoyable for everybody and everybody had a happy, healthy, usual drill with me, family stuff, staying local. That's how I like it. That's what I've been doing my whole life in Jersey. And it was more of the same this year, but all good. And it's good to be here with you for another episode. Now, of course, we're headed into, and this will be the final Eddie Trunk podcast of 2018. So a happy new year to each and every one of you guys as well. Next Thursday, when we post our our next new episode, well, then we're looking at the 4th of January. We are already into the new year. And at that time... I will be on a cruise. I am leaving on a cruise on the 2nd of January. The Moody Blues Cruise, which I'll be broadcasting my radio show from. So at the time that the next podcast goes up, I will be on board the ship. And I'm looking forward to getting out of the cold of New Jersey, where it's already in single digits, and getting a little shot of warmth, hopefully, there on board uh, this this cruise. This is the first time I've done a number of cruises. This is the first time I'll be doing the Moody Blues cruise. Coming in February, I'll also be on Cruise to the Edge and also on the Monsters of Rock cruise, and I will be broadcasting from all of them live on the volume show I just told you about. Also coming up, the Hall of Heavy Metal History around the NAM show coming up at the end of January. I'll be out in L.A. for that, doing broadcasts from there as well. Busy, busy first couple months of the year. So follow on Twitter at Eddie Trunk, Instagram, Facebook at Eddie Trunk, eddytrunk.com for info and updates as things change and evolve very, very quickly. But that is the plan for the immediate future. 
as we kick off the new year on board a ship for the radio show. And uh, looking forward to that. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I'm a massive Moody Blues fan by any stretch. Respect them. Voted for them for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And this will be a great change of pace for me than the normal cruises that I'm on board, which are quite <laughs> quite a bit of mayhem on the hard rock ones for me. So I'm looking forward to a little change of pace and expanding my horizons a little bit, as they say, taking in some new music and some, well, not new, certainly Moody Blues around more than 50 years, but you know what I'm saying, for my wheelhouse of music. I'm also going to be posting the usual year-end top 10 lists and all that sort of stuff. You'll find that in the blog on eddytrunk.com. I'll also do that on the radio show. So we're at that time of year where people start looking back and looking ahead, and I'll get into a little bit of that on uh, on my radio show and try to share that with you here on the podcast as well. This week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, we have an interview, or I have an interview, I should say, with an old friend who I've literally known for over 30 years. He is a co-founding member of the band Skid Row, Dave the Snake Sabo. Snake came by, I want to say six, eight weeks ago, because at the time Skid Row were doing some shows through the New York, New Jersey area, and he wanted to promote those shows, which he, of course, did. Those shows have since happened. But once he was here, we got into a lot of stuff, including the never-ending rumors about the return of Sebastian Bach and if and when that will ever happen. And you'll hear Snake address that and give you the straight answer on that and what his thoughts are on that. Also, something that hasn't been talked about much, and that is the departure of the guy who replaced Sebastian in the band, Johnny Solinger, a guy who I actually just saw a week ago in Houston. And Snake's views on that. Uh, music in general, Snake is, you know, he's gr- he's a great guy to talk to because he's very well-spoken and he has a career now in addition to playing guitar in Skid Row, working in the music industry as an artist manager. So we cover a lot of things with Snake in this conversation and uh, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it. It's always an interesting listen when I get together with Snake and also a fair amount of ball busting that comes with that territory that has also been going on forever. We also include some listener calls because, again, this originated on my live radio show on volume. I think you're going to enjoy it. We get to everything for the most part as far as what's going on with Skid Row and, again, the never-ending drum beat for the return of Sebastian and also touch on the band's current singer, ZP. So all of that coming up in a matter of minutes with Snake Sabo of Skid Row, this week's interview on the Eddie Trunk podcast. This being after Christmas now, a couple days after Christmas, maybe you guys have some Amazon money to spend. Maybe you got an Amazon gift card or something. You know the deal. Anytime you shop on Amazon for anything, always start your shopping on my page, amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Some items I suggest and picked, and from there you can go on and shop anywhere you want. But start on my page, please, amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get into it with Snake Sabo on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hope you guys are checking out History's new scripted drama series, Nightfall, Wednesdays at 10 Eastern Time. It is set in a medieval France, tangled in politics and conflict. One headstrong and courageous Templar Knight Landry will lead his order of warrior monks on a life or death mission to find the lost Holy Grail. If you control the Grail, you control the world. Tom Cullen from the hit series Downton Abbey and Gunpowder lead the cast as the Templar Knight Landry this season. You got 10 episodes that they're in the middle of on season one, and the show takes viewers inside the medieval politics and warfare of the Knights Templar, the most powerful, wealthy, and mysterious military order of the Middle Ages, who are entrusted with protecting Christianity's most precious relics. Nightfall, you gotta check it out. History's brand new drama series. Wednesdays, 10, 9 central, only on History.
Hi, this is Ben Domenech, the host of the Federalist Radio Hour. We're a daily show coming to you five days a week from Washington, D.C., where we interview our nation's top journalists, politicians, authors, chefs, economists, entertainers, and more. If you're looking for a contrarian discussion on news, politics, or culture, give us a listen and subscribe at PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, or at Apple Podcasts. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever, brought to you by Kohl's. Today's topic, Mother's Day. Mm, just picking up some gifts at Kohl's. There's a KitchenAid mixer calling my name. Your name? Doing some self-gifting, huh? Nah, that's for my mom. Baking's her love language. Uh, love that. The Fitbit, that's for me. Getting it for the self-care and the Kohl's cash. That's a big deal. So's the 20% off and free store pickup. I can get it all in less than an hour. Talk about shopping goals. 20% offer valid April 28th through May 2nd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. Welcome back, everybody. It's Eddie Trunk, and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. My guest this week, co-founding member and guitarist of the band Skid Row, Dave the Snake Sabo. Enjoy. He is also... A very, very astute sports analyst. Yes. Because he was so on the ball that midway through the Giants game Sunday, he analyzed <laughs> and broke it down so well by sending me a text saying something effective, your defense blows. No, I just said I it was I just said nice defense. And it really was. It was really it was incredible to watch. The coaching that goes on over there is fantastic. The funny thing for me is being that a long suffering Jets fan. And thinking that our season would be one in seven, it's great to see that it's your season. We are the Jets this year. You are. I will admit that fully. We it, have become the Jets. It's rough for you. But it is, it is, it is. <laughs> thank you, Steph. Again, great analysis. Snake Sable, ladies and gentlemen. Just, you know, are you going to replace Frances on the fan with this sort of breakdown? I should, man. I should. <laughs> but, but again, this is really complete role reversal because the Giants are are what the Jets were supposed to be. Yes, exactly. And then look what's happened. I mean, it's a complete 180 here. I wasn't even paying attention to this season when before the season started because of everything that was being written and being talked about and bantered about, about you know how awful the coaching is. And not to say that it's great coaching, but it's not as awful as we all thought it was going to be for the Jets. And here's the thing, in all honesty, like I bust you about the Giants, and I have forever because – that's just the way it is. I honestly, I like their coach. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be the coach much he's longer. Not gonna, he's not going to be. Not in this. Not in this climate. No way. Um, but I and I like some of the players. I think it's a little bit. It's run amok over there a little bit, and yeah. things have gotten out of control. And again, the Jets. That's the story of the Jets. Yep. It, for people, I mean, I know where most of America probably doesn't care about this, but again, here in the New York, New Jersey area. What is the 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 season the jet the Giants are having was exactly the season the Jets were supposed to have, and it's completely reversed. And I think that's the whole thing of why, like, I'm kind of I'm not trust me, I'm not excited and like exuberant about the Jets' future. But we thought it was going to be a one in fifteen year or something like that. Well, you're that. almost screwing yourself by winning. Exactly, you really are. Which is what that you know what perennial eight and eight, you know, seven and nine, and you never get the right draft. It's like you're, we're the East Coast, the uh, Northeast version of the Cleveland Browns. You know, we're going to end up with just draft picks that just don't work. There was a time a season or two ago during the football season that myself, Snake, and Zach Wild were all on a texting thread. Oh. And that was every football Sunday. The barrage would start coming in, and Zach would. Oh. Zach is a fellow Giants fan. Snake's the Jets fan, but yeah. it was. Uh, those are some. It was fun- the best. I saved all of them because there was, <laughs> there's so much comedy going back and forth, and it's amazing what you can get out of one Sunday afternoon of football. As far as like days of comedy, it just kept going and going. Oh my god, it's too good. So anyway, as I was mentioning when uh, you know before Snake got here. We, we, I was just said when you walked in jokingly, why I bring this upon myself that you walked into this studio and you're <laughs> sitting here with me, but literally we have been, and it, it struck me the other day, we have been doing this 
you and I, what we're doing right now for 30 years. 30 years. Yep. 30 years, which yeah. like in the next year is going to be like, because I have a tape, which I, I wish I had of you, me, you and Rachel from when I was working at DHA, the station you just came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you come in and you guys are playing a club in Newark called Studio One. Studio One, One yeah. Yeah. And you're try you're bringing in and introducing this new kid you found from Canada to sing. Yep. The first and and because I've I joke around a lot because before before I used to see Skid Row and they would be on the New Jersey scene before Sebastian was yeah, in the band. Yeah, you played the demos before Sebastian was in the band. Yeah. And you had a singer named Matt Fallon. Yep. And the the uh the joke I always say to people all the time is I'm waiting for the real Skid Row reunion. <laughs> right. We got to find that. Go, I go, Skid Row doesn't mean anything to me anymore and until they have a reunion. They're like, what do you mean? I go, well, the reunion with Matt Fallon. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> so people don't know there was a Skid Row before, you know, the, the band was founded by Rachel and, and, uh, and Snake, who's sitting here. And this guy, Matt Fallon, was the singer. I'm going way back in history now because we're going to talk a little bit about the whole history of Skid Row I want to touch on. But this guy was the singer. And I don't are you. Have you ever heard of what happened to him? No. Are anyone in touch with him at all? No. I, I, I saw something a while ago that someone was friends with his brother and were searching for him. And that was it. This is going back a couple of years. But I I'm so out of the loop. I mean, I, you know, I mean, with. With the way things go, you would think that it would be easy to track him down, and and but no, nothing, not a peep. He's kind of like the Pete Best of hard rock. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why I say this is because this guy Matt Fallon, he was he in Anthrax before or after Skid Row? Before. Okay, so you found, you picked him off from Anthrax? No, he was in a band with me before Anthrax. Oh my god! What that Agent Fortune or whatever? Steel Fortune, dude. <laughs> The mighty, <laughs> the mighty Steel Fortune. See, I didn't know you in Steel Fortune, but there's a, you sent me a photo because it was you opening for Twisted Sister, I think, right? Yeah, well, us opening for Metallica and Anthrax at Willie's. Which is now Starland Ballroom, yeah. which is where you're playing on Saturday night. Exactly. But, but, um, Metallica's first show post uh, Dave Mustaine. No, that was the first show with Kirk Hammett? Yeah. That was at the Showplace in Dover. I don't know about that because they were rehearsing at Willie's. I I was there setting up the stage for them because they had just come in. I mean, did they play? Because they, were, I mean, they were rehearsing every day. And I remember the funny thing was is that I kept asking James if he wanted me to turn on the monitors, you know, so he could hear himself sing. Or is that nah? <laughs> it was great. They were just playing music, and also, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they were thinking about, or they they were thinking about asking John Bush to come in. Oh yeah, that's fact. Yeah, yeah. So John that, has talked about that, and that was right around that time. Yeah, and so yeah, Metallica almost had a, just a lead singer, which would have been John Bush, because Kirk just had flown out, like when they started rehearsing in Sarville, because you know Johnny Z was obviously right. in Oldbridge. Yeah, when we were right there, and I was the bar manager. I was nineteen, because Kirk Hammett. I was at the last show Mustaine played with them, which was at a place on Staten Island, the Paramount Theater. I have right. the ticket stub. That's right. The bill, and I, if I find the ticket stub, I'll tweet the picture out. The bill at this show was Vandenberg All right. as the headliner. Yeah, yeah. The Rods. The Rods. I love the Rods. And Metallica as the opening That's act. right. And I was there, and Mustaine played that show. And then not long after, they got Kirk and they played a place which is literally five miles from where we're sitting, which is still there and is now a strip club called The Showplace. It's now The Showplace in Dover is now half a strip club and half a really cool vintage recording studio. Yeah, that's right. A friend of mine owns it. Yeah. So, But Kirk, I saw Overkill there early on. Did you guys ever play there? Uh, I think we did. And and then Metallica played there, and I thought it was it's either the first or second show with Kirk. I I have to be honest because they were, like I said, they were, I was. Helping, the, you know, we had a big stage back there. It was a, it was a banquet hall when it was Willie's. Mm. It was, and it was just a shot and beer joint. It used to be called the Journey Mill Inn, right. and it was a railroad car, and there was all which the, is still there. Yeah, right. Yeah, 
but it, I mean, obviously, it's a lot different now. But it literally, it was just a railroad car. And on Journey Mill Road was Sunshine Bakery or, or uh, like the big um, factories. That- For people that don't know, this is literally Snake's backyard. Yeah. Because this yeah. is literally his hometown area, the same hometown area as the guy you grew up with, John Bon Jovi. Yeah, yeah. Literally this town, this part of New Jersey. Yeah. This is what I you're mean, painting that scene. Four miles down the street from where we grew up. I mean, literally down Washington Road and make a left on Journey Mill Road. And But the thing was is that it was... Th- because of all the factories that were on Journey Mill Road, the uh, they get off of work at eight in the morning. They go over there and do shots at eight in the morning. All the all the workers, <laughs> all the third. Seriously, and that's what it was. It was a shot and beer joint with this big. You know, I guess it would be the equivalent of like a VFW hall or something, which now exists across the street from Starland, which is weird. But it was nothing but the round tables, and they'd have wedding receptions there, and and for all the uh, Polish folks in Serval, which I am proudly one of, and um, and then. A guy by the name of Ed Gadomsky and Bernie Bailey bought it, and they started toying with the idea of having rock bands there. And that's when Johnny Z had uh, put together the Metallica thing. And I was like, "Hmm, I'm going to put my band on this bill too," because mm. I, I mean, I was the you know bar manager or whatever. Yeah, pe- for people that don't know the story, Metallica has huge roots in New Jersey because even though they weren't from here, Johnny Z, who owned Megaforce Records, who I would later go on and work with brought them here and they he do a lot of things based out of the old bridge area and Metallica was taking it taken in and taken under the wing when they had nothing by a lot of people in the in that area of New Jersey where they would Metallica lived with some of those people the metal militia oh uh, the old bridge metal militia guys. man yeah. great people yeah. you know that was that was an amazing thing about then is that there was and I think it still exists but there was such a great community for all the underground music that was going on and and um you Always knew you had someone who had your back. You always knew you had a place to sleep, you know? I mean, and I thought that was so cool of the uh, the camaraderie that existed. I think obviously still exists. How active are you guys touring now? Because I was when I was setting up that you were coming in, I was talking about the fact that you also you wear two hats. You know, you were also been an artist management yeah. for a while. So for you with Skid Row, like, how many shows are you doing on average? Because you were just out of the country too, weren't you? Yeah, we're going. Well, yeah. We're in. We've headlined a festival in Borneo, of all places. Sixty nine thousand people in Borneo. We headlined a festival, and the, uh, one of the locals was on. I've never. I, the only time I ever heard of Borneo is from like a Little Rascals episode yeah. back in the day. I know. You know, Wild Man from Borneo. I had no idea, and it was. An incredible experience, like really, really an incredible experience. You would think that uh, just in our idiotic way of thinking that it would be somewhat primitive or whatever, you know? I mean, it was not. It was amazing. Uh, Everything, the staging, the sound, the production was phenomenal. And uh, the people were incredible. I mean, like a hero's welcome. So it was to be able to still have those experiences now, at this latter stage of my life. <laughs> the twilight years. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, considering that, I, you know, uh, I'm in the the point of my life now where you spend the first 40 years of your life destroying your body and then the next, however, it. however many trying to, yeah, try, trying to heal it. And that's where I'm at. And so to be able at this point to be able to go experience stuff like that is incredible. So to get back to your question, on average, over the last uh, several, several years, we've, do over a hundred shows a year, mm-hmm. you know, which is a lot of people uh, don't realize that, you know. I mean, there's a lot going on out there. But yeah, we we we're gonna spend a month over in in the UK in March, and then we're gonna go back in uh, to the rest of Europe uh, for f- I think like six weeks, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and next year, and then also tour in the states as well. And uh, we've been doing a, a, a bunch of shows with Queensrÿche, which has been great. It's been a lot of fun. Great band, um, obviously, you know, great songs. I've have been a fan of theirs for a long, long, long time. So that's that's fun. I get to play with a bunch of people that, you know, that we we played with George Lynch the other night, which was great, and his guys are awesome. So. Yeah, good band. Yeah, really yeah. good band. Yep, Oni and uh, 
You still have Jim, Jimmy DeAnda playing drums. Yeah, yeah Jimmy's yeah. killer too. And and um, Sean McNabb is playing bass, right? Yeah, great yeah. band. They sounded great. Yeah, like, they sounded great. Yep, good band. So you know, going through, uh, and we'll take some calls and we'll work some calls into the conversation. But going through the the arc of Skid Row, the third Skid Row album, Subhuman Race, which is was the last one with the original band, and still probably my favorite all time record that the band ever made. Not exactly commercially successful, but it was ninety five, and it was to a super heavy lightly. record. And it was, you know, but but there that's a whole subcategory about bands that I think made great records in the mid 90s that didn't stand a chance just because of the climate at the time. Sure. But, you know, you guys always have had, I think, very mixed feelings about that record because it was a rough time for you. The band was kind of splintering, right? It was really it was a really difficult time. And, yeah, we were splintering and, and there was a lot of uh, angst amongst everybody uh, towards each other uh, for, for a myriad of reasons. Uh, um you know, it's really strange. You know, you, we had such incredible uh, peaks of success. It was really something. Uh, and I think how... Were you ready before... I want to go through like a little arc for a second okay. before we go. But, but when you when you go to... And again, my history, and if you're, if you're from New Jersey like Snake and I are, you knew about Skid Row before the first record even came out. For people that don't know, listening around the country, the band was active. They were out. They were around. You guys were great self-marketers back in the day. You know, We did shows on the Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet tour. We did three shows with, with Matt singing. That no wow yeah we did Stabler Arena two nights with them right but but above and beyond that like I remember your original drummer Rob he worked for the Aquarian yep. which is a big local paper which thankfully is still going and he would do, there would always be ads in there and there'd be softball games you guys did really cool sort of stuff to be, again before the days of social media and the internet yeah, to yeah. reach out and connect people and bring people in but when you get the deal with Atlantic and you make the first record did anybody in the band including you as one, you and Rachel the founding members of the band did you feel did you feel like that record was going to become what it became? No, no, it totally took you by surprise. You were oh. not ready for for what was coming. Man, look, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is is we had hoped and prayed, like uh, just let us sell enough records to be able to make another record. That was kind of inherently what I was going through. Um, I obviously our aspirations were much loftier than that. Um, but as far as being realistic in my own brain, uh, we, first of all, we didn't have a whole lot of glad handing going on. Uh, people were excited about the record and, you know, uh, God bless Jason Flom. He was amazing as an A&R person again. And Atlantic records in general were great. They were great, man. Cause they allowed us to be us uh, at the very beginning, the couple little things here and there, but really they're like, we signed you guys because we love the band. And it's like, this is not, we don't need to nurture it per se. You guys are ready to make a record and our affiliation with, you know, Bon Jovi. And that was an amazing help because, you know, unlike what is like today, we had people who would be honest with us and tell us the songs are good, but they're not great. That show was good, but it wasn't great. You got to get better. You got to write better songs. So we were being pushed constantly, not only by ourselves, by, but by the people that we were surrounded with. And that's why we were able to create that first record because no one was settling for just good. Everybody wanted to be, it's got to be amazing. It's got to be bulletproof. And, and, so at that time, it was. And what was the most recent really written song? Because for people that don't know, and we were talking about the singer the band had before Sebastian, if you go on YouTube, there's demos and there's there's videos of you yeah. of him singing 18 in Life yeah. and some of those songs. Yeah. But but how much material for the audience was had been you had been playing for a while from that first record versus what was like was there were there a couple songs just before the record came out or just when you went in that were freshly written for the record that stuff was scrapped because there's things that didn't make it onto yeah. walk with the stranger right. i remember was a song that trickster later covered yeah. mm -hmm. i think was there forever was there a song called forever? Yeah, forever that made it to uh the, it's on 40 seasons i believe the best of yeah, record right. as a bonus track right so some of that stuff goes away you know here you are kids you're a young band you're trying to get the best material debut record 18 in life stays what what was around what what stayed what was newly written and what was the stuff that was sitting around for a while when you did the first record? Youth Gone Wild was already written. Uh, Eighteen Life was already written. I believe we finished. I remember you after Sebastian had joined the band. Rachel and I. Um, 
I believe so. Uh, Rattlesnake Shake was already written. Matter of fact, you played it on your yeah. DHA show with yeah. Matt singing. Uh, we did it in an eight-track studio, Eric Rachel's studio. Uh, I want to say in East Brunswick. Is that tracks, tracks East. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we, said we we couldn't we couldn't go buy a shaker. Believe it or not, like we were so broke that we got two uh, plastic cups and taped them together with rice dried rice in it and that was our shaker for, for rattlesnake shake and uh, you know eight track demos it was amazing yeah but uh, though, uh the making a mess was written uh after uh but the like the bulk of it i mean was written beforehand and uh, i think we went in to do the first record probably less than a year after sebastian joined the band so but most of it was put together, yeah. And you guys went to Wisconsin, Lake Geneva, out of trouble, Wisconsin, yeah, out of, out of no, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that much. was the, that was the reason that Doc and Scott McGee told us, yeah, to get you away from New Jersey and and being in trouble. But the fact of the matter was, is there was two championship golf courses on the, oh. on the property. That's the truth. That's the truth. So we were in such close proximity to Alpine Valley, which is an outdoor amphitheater, amazing amphitheater. Is that where Stevie Ray Vaughan yep. played before he died? Right? I was on that helicopter a month before that happened. Wow. Yeah, man. It was crazy. But we and bands used to stay. Royal Recorders was a recording studio. It was part of what was called the Americana Lodge, which was an old Playboy club. So it had all that, uh, that you know, the glitter and, and whatnot, the silver miler wallpaper. Right, and, right. and it was, but it was great. And so it was a big sort of resort. And they had a huge uh, sort of like a place where they, they, they did uh, conventions, baseball card conventions and stuff. And attached to that was this great recording studio. So Michael Wagner was all about it. We recorded the drums in the in the convention center, uh, which was right next door, and had video set up so we could watch Rob while we were playing. And uh, But there was two golf courses on there, and all the bands that played at Alpine Valley would take the helicopter back and stay at the Americana. So every weekend, there'd be Judas Priest, Def Leppard, uh, uh, whomever, Aerosmith, uh, playing. And the majority of those people would stay at the Americana. And uh, it was actually... We met the Def Leppard guys while we were doing uh, finishing up the record, and they were the sweetest, kindest people that I had ever met. And Phil Collin was so kind. He's like, hey, you want to take a helicopter ride over to Lake Geneva? And I was like, oh, my. I mean, over to Alpine Valley. I was like, oh, my gosh, sure. So it was me, him, and his mom. And, uh, he, and he was just – it was such a great lesson in, in how to be humble yeah. and gracious. Yeah. Um in the midst of enormous success. Right. And I never, ever forgot that. Uh, not to say that, I mean, we were brought up in a climate, uh, you know, Rachel and I in New Jersey, we were brought up in a climate to be, you You be gracious, you know? You be thankful. You be humble. Um, look, everybody knows I'm the biggest ass in the world, but when it... When right, it, but not, and I'll attest to that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I've always said this consistently about you guys because I, I, I knew you before you had any success whatsoever and then knew you through all that unbelievable success with that first record and second record and everything and then knew you when you're trying to get shit going yeah. again. The band broke up. We had a band called Ozone Monday. All yeah. No matter what, you and Rachel and, and all the guys really always the same people, always the same people. And, I, and I always, I've always said that to people that are friends and, and some mutual friends of ours that, you know, there's guys that I've known who have started out with nothing and had that arc of success and kind of became some different people. Sure. They really have. They, they, they would, they, even though they'd still be your friend, there was a whole different sort of thing that went on. Oh, yeah. Um, never. Never anybody with, with you guys, and I, I could fill hours just with stories of of things we've done and hanging out and the the, the Atlantic Records 40th birthday and all yeah. that stuff, hanging out at your house back in the day and all the stuff. But um, it, it's it, that that to me beyond the fact of the the great songs and the great records that you've written and made that to me has always been something I've I've really admired about about you guys in the I, band. And I can say that because I lived through yeah, it with you. Yeah, you know better than anybody. I mean, so you know what the thing is? And this is something, again, it comes from how you're brought up, is what we do, what we're able to do, what we're allowed to do, which is play music and make music for a living, that's a gift, man. That's like 
one of the greatest gifts in the world. Like mm. I get to go out and play music every night that I helped create. That's amazing. Like that's really, really what it comes down to. And all the, everything that comes along with that, you know, the ups and the downs and the successes and the failures and the, 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 the money and the, the materialistic stuff. It really comes back to just being that that person who gets to play music for a living. But something else that I think is really pretty cool is that you talk about the songs that you wrote and the bulk of Skid Row material is, but was written by Snake and Rachel. And here you are. You're talking about being older and wiser and different. Oh, I never said wiser. Well, you know, I probably <laughs> probably poor choice of words there. But you talk about being older and things that change, right? Yeah. But now you are in a situation like, and I was thinking about the other day I'm in uh, the local supermarket and I, I don't, was, I think it was, I remember you was playing like over the music system. So you're in a situation now, like that's <laughs> got to feel pretty friggin' cool that you have created, you helped to create what is a current generation's classic rock. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty amazing. It's very humbling. I'll tell you that. I, I, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, bringing bringing my kids to school in the morning, and having one of our songs come on the radio, and my one of my kids says to me, "That's you, Snakey." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're my stepkids, so that's what I call yeah, me, Snakey. And, yeah, and them playing that song is it's, helping you eat. Exactly <laughs> right. Like, yeah, exactly. That's why you get to go to this school. Exactly right. <laughs> so that's got to feel really good. I mean, that's to me. I think that would be something as a musician to be able to know that there's that legacy and that there are those two or three songs that are going to far outlive you and that where you're long gone, you're going to, the world is going to continue to hear something you created. I'm still, and I, it's the truth. I am so humbled by all of that. It's crazy. Never do you think, you know, never could you imagine, you know, that, 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 that there would be a possibility when you're sitting in Saraville, New Jersey or Tom's River and you create, helping to create something and you're hanging out with, you know, your best bud and you're writing music. You who knows? Yeah. How can you even, how can you even fathom that? You yeah. Know? I want to include the audience in, and if you guys want to jump on the air and talk with us, uh, Snake Sable from Skid Row is here. I, 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 we only have till the top of the hour before the show ends. And I, I don't want to lose track of some things. There's a few things I want to get to. I want to get some audience calls as well. And again, Snake is here to let everybody know in the, in the New York, New Jersey tri-state area, there are shows coming up, which we just ran down before Gramercy Theater in New York tomorrow. And then the Paramount, Huntington, Thursday, Long Island, yeah. Thursday, Wolf's Den, Mohegan Sun, Friday, Saraville, New Jersey, Saturday. And then for people listening outside of the New York, New Jersey area, you got you have dates or just go to the website? I, think we have, I mean, it's on the website, but I think we have one more show this year and we're going to shut it down and work on the next EP. Okay, so there's what I want to go to because I want to I want to go through the arc here. I'm not going to rehash the whole story. Sebastian's out of the band. Three great records. Again, I can't stress enough. Subhuman race is amazing. If you get a chance to listen, if you didn't listen to it originally, regardless of what was going on in the band at the time, to me, it's a brilliant record. Thank you. Um, band the band ends. The band breaks up. Band comes back. You make a record that's a really good record. Really good records. Thanks. Speaking of records, if you've missed real good records, if, if your context of Skid Row is the first two records, which let's be honest, it is for a lot of people. Absolutely, I get it. Subhuman is amazing. Last record of the original band and really good record called Thick Skin, which was your first with the guy who replaced Sebastian, Johnny Solinger. <laughs> yes. A Texan who was in the band for that, a record called Revolutions Per Minute, right. and then a couple EPs. Yeah. Johnny had a long run with you. Longer than Sebastian. So what? Where where did you looking back on that particular era and the end of the Johnny Solinger era? What's your take on that? Well, I mean, I say this ad nauseum, but it's the truth. Um, I'm so proud of everything that's existed between 1986 and now. A lot of people, when they when they, if they're in a similar situation like we are, we're you know we have a new singer and a uh, new drummer we've had for a while, which we're gonna get to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, they tend to uh, hide from their past and like almost brush it aside. I embrace it. I'm so proud of what we created. The five original members for we had we had a period of of ten years, nine ten years that was it was furious and crazy and 
awful and amazing and every adjective you can come up with. Um, and it burned brightly. And then it died out. And that's sometimes that happens. It happens to athletes. It happens to artists. And it happens to bands. It happened to us. Uh, we burned out. And so when Rachel and I and Scotty started, it took a couple years, like you had mentioned earlier, Rose on Monday, which was kind of just that was like a bridge gap, you know. Um, we wanted to play those songs again. We just didn't want to put the band back together as its previous form was. And so for us, it was really, it wasn't about money, never has been. And obviously, clearly, yeah, <laughs> clearly. I mean, seriously. Well, that's just it, which we're going to, which we, we do need to touch on because there, there, there is, we talk all the time, reunions of any kind for, I've, I always say this all the time. There's never been a reunion in the history of rock music that's happened because it meant less money and less people. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> Really good point. Reunions are done because they mean a lot more money and a lot more people. You would think. And most bands reach out for that carrot. Most bands, that is a driver, uh, ultimately. For you guys, it has not been, clearly. No, man. I mean, you know, happiness has always been paramount to me. And music is, to me, is it's what brings me such, has always brought me just this incredible amount of joy. It's what fuels my life um creating music being around music i want to create music and play music with people that i enjoy doing it with and i enjoy doing it with a bunch of people throughout our career and then it stopped being enjoyable the joy was ripped out of it for a myriad of reasons whatever they may be everyone's got their own stories i take responsibility for my end for whatever that may be but at the end of the day You know what? For better or for worse, Rachel and I started the band. It's our band. You know, love us or hate us, it is ours. And we're going to do with it what we want to do to make our lives happier. Being in a band, creating music, uh, writing music is a very selfish thing. It's a selfish act. Um, The greatest songs are written from a selfish point of view. You're doing it to gratify your need and your desire to emote something. And songwriting first and foremost is is it's selfish and then you hope you can connect with people but by and large it's selfish and and so if that seems selfish uh, uh how we conduct our band business and stuff then so be it it's it's it is ours i love the fact that people care enough and and have a history with band that they would want to see that exist again i i really do i think it's amazing and i'm f- supremely flattered by that um, I just can't give it to him right now. And um, that's just the way that it is. We uh, we got to hit a break. We're going to come back because, again, there there's some periods of Skid Row I want to touch on that people might not know about. As I mentioned, the, the Thick Skin record's really good. There was a record after that called Revolutions Per Minute. There was also these EPs that came out, which, which uh, not too long ago, which were real good. I want to talk about what you're doing now. I want to include these calls, and the time is rapidly running out. There's a few other things we need to hit on. So you guys continue to hold. We're going to get to you on the phones, and we're going to touch on a few other things with Snake. We'll go right to the end of the show. And, um, again, if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, catch uh, the band playing the four shows we just mentioned. We'll hit them a couple more times before we wrap up. Let's hit, uh, let's hit a commercial break right now. We'll come back more with Snake from Skid Row right after this. Go Giants! This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, so if you guys are looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively. So they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. 
Some features are not available in all states. 2017 was a great year for us here at Podcast One, and we hope it was a great year for you. We launched new shows with Caitlin Bristow, Jim Harbaugh, Dick Enberg, and Randy Jackson. We've had some amazing guests stop by some of our shows, like Brian Cranston on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Julia Louis-Dreyfus on All of the Above with Norman Lear. And Jason Bateman on Spike's Car Radio with Spike Ferriston. We are looking forward to a bright 2018 with new shows coming online, like MySpace Tom Anderson. And we are welcoming back Dennis Miller to the podcast scene. This is Heather Dubrow. Happy Holidays. Cheers. I'm Caitlin Bristow, and I want to wish you happy holidays. Hey, guys, it's Kelsey Knight from the Lady Gang. Happy holidays. We'll see you in the new year. From all of us here at Podcast One, we want to wish you a very happy holiday and a happy new year. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. So you go, so you do this, this John, and not to gloss over these certain eras because they are important, but in the interest of time, Johnny's in the band for a while. Tons of shows with Johnny. Open for Kiss with Johnny as your singer. Yeah, we did the Kiss tour, which was, he was in the band. You know, the reunion the, tour. Yeah, which yeah. was incredible. In, Amazing. In yeah. 2000, it was incredible. And to, just to say that. We got to tour with with the originals is pretty amazing um, for 127 shows or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, it was incredible, and that's one of those things that again that they were the reason why I do what I do. You know, December sixteenth, nineteen seventy seven, Madison Me Square too. Garden. Me too. We're at the same first. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there's a photo of Ace somewhere in this room that Mark Weiss gave me, which he took exactly that- at that show. Yes, he sent Mark sent it to yeah. me too. Yeah, that was exactly Mark's yeah. same first show. So, so, um, but yeah, so we did a kiss tour. We went out and did uh, a tour with Tesla, the Rock Never Stops tour. Went out and did uh, with Poison and Vince Neil as well. And a lot of tours, uh, European tour, did, went out with Def Leppard, went out with Saxon. And then it, it was 2014, we were out with Saxon. And it was, it just got to the breaking point where um, it had run its course. And, you know, we just, you have to be honest with yourself in this business. You know, you have to be realistic. And uh, I, by and large, I, I'm an idealist. I mean, I might not come across as that. But I, I, I sit there and I also, I you have to be realistic about, you know, I know we're not playing stadiums. You know, I know what we're doing. and But I love what we're doing. And I wasn't loving it, nor was some of the other guys at that particular point. And that was... Uh, that was like October of, of 2014. So that's the end of the Johnny Solinger yes. era. And then a really <laughs> interesting little footnote slots in here, and that is the arrival of Tony Harnell yeah. and the announcement that Tony is your new lead singer, yes. which lasted, what, six months? Uh, barely, barely. And I saw a couple of the shows with him. One were- was shot in Vegas. Vegas, yeah. What what went on there? What can you tell us about that? We had, we had known each other. Uh, Rachel, Scotty, and I have known Tony for a long time. Uh, obviously, great singer. Um, some things just aren't meant to work; they just don't work together. And in, and and in knowing him before and then working with him, it was two separate. It really was two different things, and a lot of conflict, a lot of butting heads, and it just it never it never meshed. It was never right. Again, very talented guy. Uh, How did you not pick up on that before you made him your singer? Did you not see that or feel that in rehearsals or know it? You said you knew him for a long time. Did it just become something different that you didn't foresee when you actually put him in the band? Knew him for a long time, never worked with him. Right. You know, never worked in a band situation, band environment with him. So, and again, uh, you know what? For better or for worse, this is our band. It belongs to us. And so if, you know what, if if someone is going to come in and, and work with us, we have a certain way that we do things. And that may not work for some people. It didn't work for him. And, yeah, and it, interestingly enough, he went back to his band TNT, but then actually he's just parted with them again as well. Know, so he's been in and out of that like yeah. three or four times, it, it seems like. Yeah, so. it just, you know what, I mean, look, it talented guy it just it wasn't right for us so there there was and you know this and you're 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 a rational guy and you just touched on it before there has been um you know that there's this persistence from a, a large part of your fan base that expects and hopes and thinks there's for this reunion we know reunions are all the rage we see what's happening with guns and roses i'm honored you by see that the, the, you are honored by it how close at any point in the last few years, did it come that you 
would you talked or do where there was there dialogue? What can you tell us about a potential reunion with? Sebastian? Yeah, there was definitely dialogue that was going back and forth, and and there was talk about it, and I think everybody was entertaining the idea, um, and I think really what 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 it, it ended up being was we realized that whatever it was that tore us apart years ago still existed and uh we you know got offered a lot of money and uh, you know those there is a lot of stuff that's been said about what happened and tours being booked and that didn't happen tours were not booked um any offers that came in uh came through to me and rachel (laughs) because it's our band they came through me Yes, some they, of them th- came through me. That's right. I swear to God, that's I, true. to this day, that's true. I don't know why, but bec- well, I do know why because I have such a history with these guys, all of them, and I still am friends with all of the original band. Yeah. Um. But but uh, there have been promoters. Ron yeah. Delsner. Ron Delsner right. came up to me. The the guys who do M three came up that's to me right. and said, "Hey, take this amount of money to Snake." I remember we t- yeah major money and yeah. said, and I go, "Well, I'm sure they have an agent or a man. well, no, no, just so I would text <laughs> yeah. you and like, hey, you know, if yeah." You want to do it this is real money i have those saved i saved it all yeah but yeah and and so there was you know you know there was a a really a good amount of money being offered and then when with the dialogue that went back and forth it got ugly again was so so how much of it was personal versus how much of it was business well i'll tell you what it had nothing to do with money Mm -hmm. do you know it because no one i'll tell you straight up no one was making more than anybody else it was we were that was one of the things that we said you know, Rachel and I and Scotty were like, no, it's, let's, this is easy from that perspective. You know, I'm not going to sit there and, and do it any other way. And, and, but, uh, I guess it got to be, it was more about control. I think, um, other people having a desire to, to have more control over this thing than, than, uh, than we were willing to give. And it was not about, Anything other than this is our band. Right. At the end of the day, you're very honest about that. We've talked about that on this show a lot of times. It, most bands, there are one or two people that control and run the band. You and you and Rachel have consistently been those people. So it, the very it, it starts and ends with you guys, exactly. the people that love it or hate what's going on. Right. They're, you're, you're the guys that make the calls. Yeah. And it's not... This is not ego driven. I promise you. Uh, like I said, it wasn't. A, it wasn't uh, about you know me making more money than you or you making more. It wasn't about that at all. It just. I guess it was the the personality conflicts that might have existed. That well, I shouldn't say might have that existed before before twenty years ago. But you know, a lot of bands have that, mm-hmm. and the the counter to that that people would say would be like, well, there's a ton, you know, Motley Crue hate each other, and this and that, and put them on their own bus. They see each other for an hour and a half, and they go make everybody happy. Yeah, but they were miserable. <laughs> yeah, they were right. all miserable, even and, being in separate. Yeah, quarters. and see, that's the thing, man. Like, I just, I don't know. I guess I look at it differently. I want to. I'm. I really like my life, man. I'm. I really like being happy. I have great joy playing Skid Row music now. Um, not to say that I didn't before, but it, I'm in this moment in time, I'm extremely happy. My life is awesome. My friends are awesome. The people I make music and jam with, they're all awesome. And so I, 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 I gotta say, it's like, yeah, the idea, the romantic notion of a, of a, of a reunion and, and the, you know, monetary aspect of it is all well and good. But at the end of the day, man, I just, I really enjoy the space that I'm in. I, I just want to be a good guy. want to be a good husband, a good father, a good friend, you know, a good brother. And, uh, you know, the way that we existed towards the end, uh, in, in the, in, you know, when, after subhuman race and when everything fell apart, it was misery for everybody, not just me, but for everybody. Last thing on this, would you would you, is it okay to say that it's a never say never situation? Though? I always say never say never, right. um, and that's only I guess that's that's you know you, <laughs> that's like my way of of you know not committing to to saying no, it will never happen. The chances of it happening, I mean, I would say they're slim to none, you know. But uh, I never say never. I, I but I will say this is that we've. In this day and age, we we live in the moment, man. I mean, I'm living right here, right now, in the moment. And uh, 
I love having ZP in the band. I, Which I want to talk about what's going on now. Yeah. So that's a good way to segue. I want to get from Snake what's going on and what's what Skid Row is now. Which is uh, which is the singer they have, and a little something on him, and then I promise you we're going to have just a few minutes here. But I know you guys have been holding. I know we're going to get to the calls, but we, we get gonna... babbling, and time always gets short. But... Are we allowed to talk about your new show on TV too, or no? Yeah, but not now because I want to talk about the band. I just want to say you you certainly spilled a lot of creative juices coming up with the title. Of that I didn't show. come up with it. It was really great. wasn't my idea. Sounds like it should be on like PBS right after Antique Road wasn't Show. Wasn't my idea. <laughs> so listen, before we run out of time, we'll grab a few calls, but give everybody a little something on what you got now. You got a, a singer in the band named ZP. How do you say his last name? Uh, Theart. Theart. Okay. He's, he's South African. He's, yeah, he's from Dragon Force. Right. And uh, which is, I was always familiar with the band, uh, the band and their reputation and they have, they're just, they were never, their music was never in like my wheelhouse, so right. to speak. So Rachel had become really good friends with him, and when things fell apart with Tony, we had uh, previously done shows in the UK where his band, after Dragon Force, had opened up for us. And I saw him, and he was a great singer, and um, but never thought that the you know about him being with Skid Row. And Rachel, as soon as everything fell apart with Tony, Rachel's like, "Let's just give ZP a call." I'm like, "Okay, cool." And so we did, and he flew in, and and. Uh, you did a bunch of shows with him without really announcing yes. him as your singer. Was yeah. that because after Tony, you were yes. a little gun shy? Yes, exactly. And you wanted to, before you gave him the official stripes, yes. you wanted to make sure he was going to work. Exactly. And you know what? Look, he's, first of all, he's an excellent person, like a really good guy. Blue collar, hard worker, gets his hands dirty. Like, sees the crew guys, you know, having a problem with one of the road cases. He's over there helping them. Like, he wants to get in the trenches. He wants to work. And he respects the history of the band. He uh, doesn't attempt to do something so different to shy away from what, uh, you know, our, our, our catalog is. And he came in knowing, like, we, he came in auditioning and did, like, 15, 16 songs. Like, he, he used to warm up to our stuff. Uh, he's really, really well-versed and familiar with it. So this has been... A really, really easy fit, and uh, it's been a pleasure to be on stage with him. You know, let me, real quick, something that just hit me that I wanted to ask you and get your take on. You're out there with Skid Row, and you're playing majority of your set, I imagine, is the first two records, and you're out there with the, with the band, three-fifths of the original band. As you know, Sebastian's been out there all over the world playing essentially 90% or more Skid Row songs. Right. How, how do you feel about that? Are you, you you cool with that? Does that help sure. you? Does you think that hurts you? What do you think? I'm cool with it. I mean, look, it, it's we again. We had nine or ten years uh, a history ago that were pretty phenomenal from a from a a success standpoint, and we had a lot of good times. We did, but there was unfortunately the bad times outweighed the good times, and that's why the band stopped in that form. But as far as uh, going out there and, and, and doing Skid Row songs, as has every right to. He sang them, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm honored to be honest with you. I mean, some people might look at it differently. It doesn't bother me. It, it keeps, uh, it helps keep our, you know, our history alive. I'm cool with that. So if you guys go see the band now, you'll see ZP singing, and uh, so far so good with him. Rob Hammersmith is the drummer. And again, you can see Skid Row playing if you're in the New York, New Jersey area with four shows coming up tomorrow night, New York City, Gramercy Theater, and then Thursday, the Paramount in Long Island, and then Friday, the Wolf Den at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, and wrapping up with a hometown show Saturday in Sarahville at the Starland Ballroom. What's the website? Is it just skidrow.com? Yeah. Skidrow.com for all your info and updates and and all that. I'm just moving quickly here through this period because we only have like seven, eight minutes, and we do have people waiting forever to to get on the air and talk to you. So we'll grab a few calls, as promised, to close out today's show. Uh, This is Paul in North Carolina. He's been waiting over almost two hours. Thank you, Paul. Oh, my gosh. Thanks, Paul. You're finally way too generous to be waiting for somebody like Snake, but we're on the air with him. He probably has a question (laughs) for you, not me. (laughs) Well, no, I've been listening, too, and I've been holding the phone up, not to my ear. I'm on my car phone, on a speaker. So, no, I've been listening as well. I just wanted to thank you uh, for making my 1920s the best years of my high school years. I oh, love wow. having 
heavy metal, hard rock, but I could never, and you, you I'm going to touch on, I won't go whole long because I know there's other people want to call, but all these songs that written that came out before they, your three, I, I could never find one that I connected to until 18 Life, Youth Gone Wild, and then, of course, the ballad, the beat, beat all ballads, I Remember You, which oh, I hate wow, called ballad, you. but... And no. I saw you on the uh, New Jersey Syndicate tour, one of my very first shows. I remember walking out thinking, they rock better than Bon Jovi. I was like, <laughs> I was more, I was more the heavy. I was more heavy, and that's what I, that's what I liked. And then when I saw you again with Kiss, that was like, wow, really come about. And I was like, two different shows, but still rock hard, still brought it enjoyed i appreciate everything um anyway good listen good talk to you i'll let you go thanks very nice of you to thanks for calling dude and and very nice of you to say very very much appreciated thank you thank you paul for waiting and listening Chaz in jersey go ahead Chaz. it's an honor to get to talk to you huge fan you brought sunshine to this rainy afternoon my favorite <laughs> show i saw you many times Snake is, snake is just a ray of sunshine, really, yeah. don't you think? <laughs> no, he brought sunshine to the day, but Thank I you. saw you when Pantera opened up for you in New York. What awesome. a freaking show that was. But for the fans that don't know, is it true you were a gifted athlete and scouts were checking you out and that kid's show you mentioned before changed your path and Mama Snake got a guitar for your brother and you learned from that and that's what got you into rock and roll? It's all true. That's true. I was, uh, I was at the age, the tender age of thirteen. I was uh, slightly scouted as because I was a pitcher in baseball, and I had apparently I had a little bit of talent. And then uh, I did. I went to go see Kiss when I was thirteen. Got back from that show and and realized that I wanted to do music for a living. And I didn't know in what capacity. I just knew I wanted to do whatever they were doing. I'm like, Mom, yeah, I'm going to uh, breathe fire. She's like, you're going to join the circus? I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm like, music, man. And then, uh, yes, one of my older brothers, I have four of them, one of my older brothers had a guitar that he got from Sears, an acoustic guitar, and had a guitar course called the Quick Pickin' Fun Strumming Home Guitar Course. And he did it for about a month and, and hated it and failed miserably, and that was my opportunity to outdo my brother. You think you could have gone somewhere with baseball? Were you good enough? I don't in think retrospect? so. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, locally I was good enough, but no. Right. No. Nah. That's a tough, man. That is tough. It's almost as tough as breaking into rock and making it in music. So. Yeah, no, and I don't think so. I think I, you know what? I think I, I, I peaked at 13. Yeah. <laughs> in all ways. Yeah, right. True. <laughs> I wrote my best songs when I was 12. <laughs> Ron in Kansas. What's up, Ron? Not much. Thanks, Eddie, for taking my call. Sure, man. Hey, Hi, Ron. For, hi. Thanks for all the music over the years. Oh, my uh, pleasure. Thanks just, for listening. I just got to tell you, Thick Skin is my second favorite album right behind Slave to the Grind. Oh, wow. And uh, Thank you. a quick quick story, if I may. Around the time that came out, I was in a bar band, and our singer, as gifted as he was or wasn't, there was no way he was going to sing Sebastian. So when I heard I Remember You too" on Thick Skin, I took it straight to the band and I said, here's a popular Skid Row song we can do. So we did that version every time we played a bar and every time after we played that, people would come up, how could you butcher that song that way? <laughs> well, well, the band that wrote it did, so you might as well too. That's, what that's we, funny. That's what, our, that's what we said. The original Skid Row did it first. If there was if there was more time, Ron, I'd play people a little clip of that so they could hear it, but we're short on time. But for people that don't know, On Thick Skin, Skid Row covered their own song. They did a radically different version of I Remember You, very sped up, almost rocked. like a punk rock version. Total punk rock and version. it's very cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. It's lo- I play it on my radio show all the time just because it throws people. Like, Who the hell's doing that? Yeah, it's it was actually fun. the band that did it. You know? It's funny because rea- we knew the reaction that we would get, and that's a big reason why we did it. Yeah, it's cool. And I've seen you do it where you do both versions of yeah. the song live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. All right, Ron, thank you, man. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, guys. See ya. Well, my thanks to Dave the Snake Sabo for dropping by and uh, spending some time. Of course, the concerts that he was talking about playing have now since happened. And will a reunion happen? Well, the only hope you have from that conversation is him saying never say never. But it looks like uh, that is not anything imminent. We'll see what comes in 2018.
Also, uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, remember, the Eddie Trunk Podcast is new every single Thursday. Brand new episodes here, podcastone.com and iTunes. And also remember, the interviews you hear originate on my daily radio show on Sirius XM, Channel 106, Volume. Hear me live there talking rock with you and doing these interviews and allowing you to engage into them live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern every day. Replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. And don't forget my social media, Twitter, where I'm most active, at Eddie Trunk. Also, Instagram, Facebook, at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the website. Trunk Report is my blog. Merch available. All my appearances on the homepage. A whole lot more music news updated daily. I mean, it's a great one-stop place to go. Keep up with all your favorite bands and what's going on with them in the music news section that Dana Rosen does such a great job putting together. So there you go. Thank you, guys, and I'll uh, see you next Thursday for another all-new episode. And this being the last podcast of 2017, let me wish you all a very, very, very happy, healthy, safe new year. I'll talk to you next week. Podcast One has new shows on our new app. Check out all the cool features to help you explore our exciting new programming, like America's Lakers podcast with Jay Moore, Sessions with Randy Jackson, So Random with Corinne Olympios, Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast, Not Just Sports with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen, and Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg podcast, as well as your old favorites like The Lady Gang, Steve Austin, Shaquille O'Neal, and Adam Carolla. Get the new Podcast One app in the App Store, Google Play, or PodcastOne.com. Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever, brought to you by Kohl's. Today's topic, Mother's Day. Mm, just picking out some gifts at Kohl's. There's a KitchenAid mixer calling my name. Your name? Doing some self-gifting, huh? No, that's for my mom. Baking's her love language. Uh, love that. The Fitbit, that's for me. Getting it for the self-care and the Kohl's cash. That's a big deal. So's the 20% off and free store pickup. I can get it all in less than an hour. Talk about shopping goals. 20% off are valid April 28th through May 2nd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.